Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that we're going to be able to watch UND on Friday on CBS Sports Network, and Clevin won't be playing because he's kicked out for his fourth game misconduct of the year, which is rather impressive, uh, actually. I'm Weldy, sitting with Andrew here. Uh, talking all things Husky hockey, college hockey related, and, um, you know, obviously huge matchup coming up with, uh, North Dakota and it's the team I hate the most, uh, out of anyone just with, with number one, with a bullet. I, I used to think Andrew, you were on the same boat, but now I'm starting to think you actually hate Duluth more. Where, where where do you put in the in the rivalry scope here? I mean, yeah, historically, North Dakota is, has has uh, gained more cumulative hatred from me throughout the years. Uh, but yeah, the Duluth hatred is more of a modern incarnation, uh, and it's really picking up in intensity. Um, so. I don't know if it makes sense to compare relative hatreds, um, but yeah, there's no love lost from me when it comes to North Dakota. Let's just keep it at that. Especially if uh, St. Cloud's playing North Dakota that weekend, uh, the, the hate meter is, uh, is, is starting to crack. So yeah, uh, these are the green bastards and they always <laughs> will be. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't like North Dakota, but I, I hate Duluth as well. And then they're they have a di- it's a different kind of hatred. And I feel more upset when they win because like when North Dakota, like when they won their last national title, that didn't feel like a fluke to me or it feels like flukes whenever uh, Duluth wins. So maybe that's the difference. I don't know. Yeah, I got you. That makes sense. Um, With. You know, we didn't really talk about it last you know of course you know we have a two-hour podcast and i'm like god i didn't touch on this topic that i wanted to um you know coming off of a bye so hey uh we didn't get swept uh that we didn't underperform on the bye so that's nice now when do you think this bye came at a good time or a bad time for this huskies team um I guess I didn't give it that much thought. I mean, there's benefits to both, I suppose. Kind of want to... You don't like to take the bye because then that gives you a chance to flush out any negative feelings uh, from the Duluth and Miami weekends that much quicker. Obviously, having the bye, though, gives you a chance to work on the things that we've been grousing about of late, namely special teams uh, and also gives you a chance to get some rest and guys like Brand who haven't been in the lineup for a while, maybe get them healthy. So I can see both sides, uh, but um, it sounds like you have a, a hotter take here. So what what's what's your feeling about this? 
No, I wouldn't say that I have a hotter take or anything like that. It's just that, you know, I, I, I can see both sides, like you said. I do think it came at the right time because I we don't know the extent of Meyer's injury. Right. Um, I do still think he's probably hurt a little more than what's let on. Or maybe not let on is the right, but I, I do think that there's something maybe a little bit lingering there. So I think giving him some rest right now and kind of just giving this team a little bit of a, you know, you got to shake off these cobwebs. Maybe maybe a little bit of, hey, step away from the game for a little bit, you know, get, get some rest before you kind of ramp up and get back to the to the meat grinder we have here at the end of the season. You know, I, I, I'm kind of on the fence about it, but I'm thinking this is a good time to have this buy. And, you know, you're coming off now, or North Dakota's coming off, uh, getting swept in in Denver in a, just a penalty field series. And uh, a series that, you know, just, uh, you know, I watched a fair uh, bit, bit of those games, and I didn't think North Dakota looked that impressive, which, judging by, you know, a little bit of, you know, some of their stats coming from the second half of the season, you know, I thought, you know, they would have a chance to get a little bit of rum run on them, but Denver kind of took care of that. No problem with the same problems that we've seen North Dakota all year, just bad defensive turnovers and the goaltending isn't there to make the big saves. Um, Der Ritter got pulled the first night, um, I believe. And yeah, uh, Helston didn't fare that much better. Um, uh, either game. So it's, you know, uh, Huskies, it, it's the, it's the time to really kind of, I think, get, get right back on the horse and, and take advantage of this, uh, UND team that hasn't been able to, uh, live up to kind of their lofty expectations, uh, that they always set themselves up on. Yeah. You mentioned the goaltending. Uh, we've been, talking about that with North Dakota all season, particularly with that Husky series earlier in the year. Saw both Helston and DeRitter uh, in that series in St. Cloud. I think the article that from Schlossman that I read that uh, this was the fourth time that DeRitter has been pulled from a game uh, on Friday night in, in Denver. I was a little surprised to see him get the start on Saturday, DeRitter uh, coming back from that. But, you know, giving up four goals on Friday... Uh, and then five on Saturday, granted a slew of power play goals there for, for Denver on Saturday. Uh, but uh, the 876 cumulative team save percentage, worst in the country, um, UND. And so not a, I mean, you generally don't hear of UND being last in the country in any stat, but uh, in anything and, 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 and with a position so vital as goaltending that, that does a lot of explaining of this season, too. And, and thinking again back to that St. Cloud series earlier in the year, defense did not help either that game. And as you mentioned, Clevin being out, one of their better defensemen, uh, being out for the uh, Friday game here, um, see if St. Cloud can take advantage of that. But, uh, you know, guys like Farmer, I remember, had a rough weekend in St. Cloud from the back end. Um, I mean, there wasn't too many bright spots defensively or goaltending-wise. Um, for North Dakota that series. And if, if St. Cloud can pounce on that, I think they're in decent shape. Um, uh, 
special teams though is obviously going to be key this weekend uh north dakota leads the country in their power play percentage uh over 30 percent right now um and they actually have a pretty decent penalty kill as well best in the conference um 19th in the country one thing i was was thinking about we were talking about power plays or you know special teams in general been a theme especially the last few weeks or few months even talking about st cloud's play um thinking you know just looking at the the nationwide uh leaderboard for uh, power plays i'm wondering if it's we're, we're talking about st cloud's struggles on the penalty kill and then Conversely, St. Cloud having a, right now, tied for 10th best power play. Um, Wondering if those numbers are a bit skewed because the conference as a whole is a very good power play conference. Right now, six teams in the conference are in the top 15 in in terms of the best power plays in the country. Only Miami... Uh, at 17 and change percent has a power play that's under the nationwide average. Even CC uh, is at 21st in the country, and they have a 21.6% uh, power play. So very good power plays is sort of the theme of this conference. And so it's not surprising when you look on the flip side and you see only two NCHC teams have an above-average penalty kill, North Dakota being one of them, and Colorado College, perhaps surprisingly, being the other. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a really good point because obviously uh, other teams get the benefit of playing against St. Cloud's penalty kill, Correct. whereas St. Cloud doesn't have the benefit of playing against St. Well, Cloud's penalty and North Dakota thinking, you know, the number one power play, 30%. They haven't played, of these uh, NCHC teams, and I said, the only two above average penalty kill units are UND, who obviously don't, they don't get to play themselves. Uh, and CC is the only other team that they haven't played so far. They play them next weekend out in Colorado Springs. So they have only yes. seen the worst six, who are all 39th and worst in the country, bottom 20 uh, penalty kill units those are a plus lindenwood as well which is literally the worst penalty kill unit in the nation und played them earlier in january so they've been beating up on a lot of bad penalty kill units but my point here is perhaps the st cloud you know a lot of the nchc numbers a lot of these nchc teams have bad penalty kills what's what should i take out of that that these penalty kill units are so bad or that these power play units that these NCHC teams are are so good. Um, it's it's a little bit of both, like, and to see that the conference is pretty equal in terms of you got very good uh, power plays and then also pretty weak penalty kills. Maybe we're maybe we're trying to dissect it too much, and it's just you're running into good units, um, or it's just maybe these good units, uh, good power play uh, teams. Are just running into bad units. I don't know. Uh, I just I found that to be an interesting uh, observation in stats. But anyway, you uh, want to draw it up, um, maintaining UND's power play and keeping that to a minimum is obviously going to be a, a recipe for success here for St. Cloud. And I don't know how confident I am in that. I'm pretty un- unconfident about that actually. 
have a good chance that we're going to be coming back next weekend and being like, again, what's what's with this penalty kill for St. Cloud? I would not be shocked. But I do think I am I, I'm thinking that they can get a win here this weekend. Um, a place that St. Cloud has not fared too well of late, have not beaten UND in Grand Forks since 2019. Uh, which was Larson's first year. They did win a game up there in the uh, in the 2021 playoff. If you remember, the, all the playoffs were played up there. They they uh, they won a couple of games against non-UND teams there. So they have won in the Ralph, but uh, not against UND in what four seasons. So yeah. and it's it's traditionally a that's tough right. place we played, to play. We played the championship right. game against UND. Right. Um, there and lost what five five to three I think that's a good game but uh so tough place to play uh but it's a team as you mentioned that's maybe licking its wounds right now Uh, another uh you know they have a good weekend in Miami uh but then come back a week later and take two losses against Denver oh and four against Denver this year UND um Sure, that's not sitting well with their their fans, considering that rivalry uh, with Pioneers. But uh, you know, and struggling at home as well. You know, uh, losing to Western Michigan, getting swept by them uh, earlier this calendar year. Um, so they've they haven't played. You know, like I said, swept by Denver earlier this year in Grand Forks. Um, so you know, North Dakota's looked vulnerable at home as well. And just like I mentioned, that Lindenwood series squeaked out a couple of wins there at home. So other than that Miami series uh, from two weeks ago, where they did kind of lay a whooping on Miami, uh, even their wins have been struggles uh, this year. So this is a team that I definitely think you can, you can, you can have your way with. We saw a little bit of that in St. Cloud. And including a St. Cloud comeback win on that second game coming back from 3 nothing, uh, And obviously, I like the fact that this is one of those teams like Denver from a couple of weeks ago that I don't, I think that St. Cloud's going to get up for this series. You know, uh, I don't think that it, they need a ton of motivation to get up to play North Dakota. Everyone knows, you know, the hatred is, is very apparent uh, and the rivalry is there. So I do think I, I, I am confident that we're at least going to get better efforts than we saw against Miami or Duluth going back the last couple of weekends. So I don't know. I'm I'm feeling a split, but uh, what 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 are you thinking uh, for this weekend? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you're talking about special teams, and obviously, you know their power play up against our penalty kill is just a recipe for disaster. So if you get into a penalty-filled game like UND played last weekend, it's I think that's going to really play towards uh, North Dakota's strengths. It's, I, I always worry about going, like you said, going up to North Dakota. Uh, Huskies this year, 11-2-2 at home, only 7-6 and six on the road. And... You know, obviously, this is, you know, where North Dakota is on the stand at the standings. And, you know, we got to put ourselves into position here for home ice. And we're in a very good position right now. We're up 10 points clear of Minnesota Duluth. North Dakota right now is down at seven. 
this isn't the weekend to give up points, especially after you gave up points last time we played against Miami. And Miami, just before that weekend, got thumped by North Dakota. And then we, you know, Miami was able to regroup and, you know, get two ties um, out of it. Officially two ties. I'm, you know, whatever for the for the shootouts. But it's it's just like we have to come out with some urgency and some effort and really take it to North Dakota because we we can't you know i i just worry about that rebound effect whereas north dakota i don't think played that well up against denver um and now they're going to play st cloud and look you know just like gangbusters that's what i'm worried about so it's it's just that instance of i mean if you're if you're going to take charge of the season i think this is the weekend to do it and, you know, you have those two uh, missteps here with the last two series, but, you know, that, that can all be kind of washed away if we have a great solid effort here this weekend um, and really, really come out with the majority of the points here at the Ralph against a team that this is a team you should take care of. Um, and it's, it, it's a team where, you know, they're not playing well at, cohesively they're not playing well in their own end that they, they can't stop a puck to save their life like like on paper th- this is the series where we we should be able to get it done but it's some of these little x factors that are creeping in then it's like i'm i'm a little bit worried here of a lep- of, of a letdown and i'm i'm really hoping that's not going to be the case but this this team really needs to show me something here this week. Another key would be, and we talked about this last week, about St. Cloud's slow starts. Uh, and going back to that St. Cloud series, the series in St. Cloud, I should say, uh, in December, UND had leads after the first period in both of those games. Uh, led 2-1 to one, uh, on Friday, six straight goals for the Huskies. Uh... They led 2-0 after the first period, then added a third goal in the second to go up 3-0 on Saturday. Six straight goals by the Huskies. Uh, I just, we've been talking about the slow starts here, kind of. I'm not counting right. on that again. <laughs> I, I, I'm counting, I mean, part of the part of the narrative for, Nord, or for Notre Dame, for North Dakota this year, has been really poor third periods. So, I, I think that gives you a hint as far as this team struggles to get to give a full 60 minute effort talking about North Dakota. I think definitely we'll, we'll be able to tell, I think, especially on like the Saturday third period, you know, six periods of the, of hockey that weekend, I would expect St. Cloud to still have more gas in the tank and be able to, you know, if the game is tied or one goal difference or something like that, I would be, I'd feel confident being in St. Cloud's shoes um, going into the third period situation like that. But digging themselves too deep of a hole uh, is what I kind of worry about because that's what we've been seeing, not just, as I mentioned, with these uh, these North Dakota results from a couple of months ago, but just in recent weeks, St. Cloud digging themselves holes that they've been unable to overcome. And so mm-hmm. keep an eye on that. You know, Watching the first period on Friday is going to be very interesting. I think, as I mentioned last week, you see that first five minutes, if we are seeing the same kind of lethargic, where is this team... Uh, 
where is where are the Huskies? Are they have they woken up yet? If we see that first period on Friday, I'm going to be worried for the weekend. But if we come out and it's it, it, they look sharp, they look rested, they look like the bye week served them well. They were able to work on some things and focus and getting up for an, uh, a rival like UND is. Then I would feel very confident for the weekend. So really going to focus in on that on that start uh, both nights, but in particular on Friday. Also, I mean, we talk about UND's goaltending situation, which, I mean, I mentioned earlier in the year, they've uh, they dug into their third stringer. Uh, That experiment only lasted one night of giving up seven goals, not expecting the third stringer Johnson to be uh, in nets. But I don't know I, I would not be shocked to see either DeRitter or Helston on Friday. What about St. Cloud, though? We saw that uh, Bassey gets mm-hmm. gets his first weekend of, of a two-start weekend versus Miami. And it, he got everybody's pal last weekend. Um, do you go back with him? Kind of by default. Right, that's true. <laughs> I mean, as as much as I would love to say it was outstanding goaltending, uh, and nobody else really right. stood out. Plus, it was a little bit of Pacino. Uh, you know, scent of a woman. Yeah, too. that's so true. Keep that in mind. But uh, if you don't get that reference, that's that's good. Uh, continue to be in the dark <laughs> there. But uh, do you go back to uh, you know Caster uh, you know, throwing him in in net on Friday, or are you sticking with Bassey? What what are you feeling with the goaltending for the for the Huskies? I think you go back to the rotation. Um, after you know a couple games with Caster out, I. I would say throw him in there on Friday uh, and then uh, Bassey coming back on Saturday. Um, That's kind of what got you here and what was so dynamic in the first part of the season that hasn't really, it just, that consistency hasn't really been here that second half. And, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing, but it's, you know, kind of getting back to that warm, comforting feeling. And it's weird to say that splitting time with goaltending is a comforting feeling, but it's, I, I do feel that, you know, that's, you, you dance with the girl that brought you. And, or, and I think that's, you know, what worked at the beginning of the year and continue to ride that out. So, um, saying that though, I do think I would feel a little bit more comfortable with Bassie and Nett. Um, versus caster in that environment but uh, i would still say get the reins of caster um on on friday and go back to your rotation yeah i could see that happening i could see bassy starting on friday as well um I, i've said it before i just i don't like the idea of making a decision on tuesday to say that you're going to have a rotation. Like if you're going to throw a caster in on Friday, well, that's why we have the podcast. That is true. That is what we do. <laughs> we can do that. But if you're going to, if you're going to put caster in on Friday, like don't already plan on having Bassie on Saturday. If, if caster stands on his head, then he gets Saturday as well. Like that's how I would play it. I, I wouldn't mind seeing caster again. Um, even though, like we said, uh, Bassie played very well on, uh, versus Miami. So I really, don't have a strong preference there. I, I'm God in our in our season preview. Did you ever un, did you ever think you would utter that sentence? No, no there's a lot <laughs> going. Back. There's a lot. I'm, 
I'll have to listen to that coming up because when after the uh, regular season ends and have to go back to the predictions of the standings, our, our predictions which sure is a nightmare. Yeah. But uh, it's it's always interesting to go back to that to because there's things that like I'm sure we. I mean, we didn't. We weren't struggling to pronounce Dylan Anhorn's name because you are part of the Anhorn clan, as we've mentioned. But I'm sure going back then, like I remember, because he scored the first goal of the year. If you remember the first, the the St. Thomas game, and I remember in our podcast after that, I'm like, oh, I'm sure everyone had that on our bingo card. To now look back and be like, yeah, Anhorn, and then his injuries kind of get to be this big key that. St. Cloud needs to overcome, but perhaps being the best player they've had this year, I don't think we were ever having those kind of expectations, uh, even with Crookshank, too, although Crookshank's cooled off of late, but carried them for a large part of the first half, too. So just going back to beginning of the year, what our what our mindset was is always kind of interesting, but uh, I'm sure, too, getting back to this UND series at that first preview podcast, we were not thinking about UND being in seventh place uh, when they're going to play this no. play this series in Grand Forks in late February. So, wow, lots of. We're trying to think. I might have had them at I one. Think you did. I know you didn't have Denver. I had Denver. I didn't have Denver, and I think I even had Duluth at two. Really? I think I had Denver at three. Yeah. I'm sure I had both of those teams in the top half, but I, I can't remember. I, again, I know I had Denver 1, I had uh, Miami 8, which looks like decent picks uh, at this point. But, uh, yeah, the rest of it. I, don't yeah, know. And I think I had Omaha. I, I know that, because we've, we've, <laughs> we've been over that since since then. So, But, yeah, it should be an uh, interesting weekend of hockey. Um, and like I said, I I don't think this is, even though you look at them 7th place, uh I don't think this is like you got to get the uh, majority of the points. I, I think you just need to get a win, number one. I mean, four-game losing streak, as you mentioned, and has has been a while now since we won on the road. I haven't won on the road in 2023 yet. Uh, going back to that Miami series, uh, would have been the weekend after the home UND series in December, last time this team has won on the road. So... Uh, we want to get off the schneid in that regard and also going into Omaha the, the following week. You can't get too far ahead of yourselves, but again, being four games in a row, all, all on the road coming up here, you want to really avoid a long losing streak uh, or winless streak, let's say. Uh, and you're on a four gamer right now. You want to put the skids to that as quickly as you can. So I'm just at least, at least a, a win this weekend. Um, and I think based on the talent and based on the results that we saw versus these two teams a couple of months ago, I do feel like St. Cloud has a, has a good opportunity to take the uh, majority of the points this weekend too. So uh, trying to stay positive about this weekend, but just uh, wins and losses aside, just, I want to, I'm interested how this team responds mentally and seeing how the, like I said, how they dealt with this bye week uh, those questions will be answered sort of, like I said, the first couple of minutes. I, I'm just curious about how they come out on Friday. Because uh, that's, you're going to need to, you know, the overcoming adversity and being able to shake off uh, some some bad results. And um, these are the things that coming down the stretch here, you're going to have to re- re- respond to. And and then in the NCAA tournament, you don't have the chance to re- to 
overcome one one mistake or one bad loss. It's because it's a one and done situation. So I hope that this team mentally is is uh, uh, in the right spot, and maybe this past adversity has given them that sort of lesson, and and they've turned around here. But we won't figure out whether or not that's true or not until they play these games. So uh, very intrigued uh, to see this weekend. Yeah, and kind of the one person that I'm really looking at here to, I don't know if step up is the right word, but it's, I I just, you know, we're right now we're on a four-game pointless streak with Okabe. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, I, I think he's done a lot of other good things that, has not come up on the, on the score sheet and all, but you know, the two games at Minnesota Duluth, two games at Miami. I mean, those are games that you expect a player like Okabe to really kind of step up um, and perform and, you know, being blanked on the score sheet in all four of those games. That's, I, I, I don't know, a little bit, a little bit frustrating to kind of see that. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, Crookshank as well. I mean, he's pointless right now in three games. Um, you know, his last uh, goal it was a two-man advantage against Minnesota Duluth. So it's, you know, we've got a couple of people who, you know, haven't been putting the pucks in the net. Obviously, Miller, I think, is one that's just been incredibly snake-bitten this year. But, you know, if we get these guys back rolling i think we can do a lot of damage and maybe i think it's good that we're hitting that slump right now um i remember um it was you know when we made our run to the uh to the championship game i mean miller was a key part of that there when when the chips were down in in the ncaa tournament so um it's you know, I think just getting getting some of these uh, guys back. Hopefully, that uh, the bye week, that rest, did did a lot of good for them. They're going to come out refocused, and you know, and we and we got to like like I said, take care of North Dakota. This team, you know, can still put the puck in the net. They are, um, you know, still really dangerous when it comes in the offensive zone. Jackson Blake is, you know, probably one of the best. Um, you know, one of the premier uh, freshmen there in the country. So it's, you know, they're still, they still have a lot of weapons. And, you know, it's just capitalizing on our chances is going to be, you know, is obviously going to be the, the, the main factor and the main key. And this is, this is the we can do it. And this is against the team to do it. Like I said, sitting down in seventh place. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I would hate to drop out of home ice, especially when we were talking about that home ice record. And I just, I, I'm worried about it right now. I maybe I shouldn't be, but um, I'm I'm worried about it. And you know, we've got, you know, just these last couple of games, like you said, Omaha next week and the week after against Minnesota Duluth, who we've already dropped two games to. I don't know. I I, I just want to see. I want to see a lot of positives this weekend. I'm I'm just nervous that's not going to happen. Yeah. So just by the sound of it, I'm a lot more pessimistic than you are, which is a little bit of a turn <laughs> than the norm. Yeah. Well, it's it's good to change it up. Um, yeah. I I'm not 
terribly worried about uh, falling out of home ice position. Essentially, your magic number is three regulation wins. Combination of three wins or Duluth slash CC, because they're tied right now at 23 points. So, out of the last six games, like, Duluth goes to Denver this weekend. You know, I... I I don't think they're going to sweep that series, uh, Duluth. So, you know, you get a win here this weekend, and Duluth gets a loss. Or if you get you split here against Duluth or North Dakota, and Duluth gets swept. Uh, I guess depending on what CC does, you've at least clinched home ice over Duluth and Dakota for that matter. So, I mean, it could happen this weekend where you clinch home ice. So, I think it'll take. And you do still have that that Duluth series at home at the end of the year, uh, like I I uh-huh. and so you just want to at least not go into that series having Duluth having a chance if they sweep to jump you, and Duluth Duluth having a Miami next weekend obviously bodes well for them schedule you know strength of schedule wise, but uh, you got this Denver series here which you might be able to gain even more ground on Duluth. Uh, this weekend, so I, I'm not terribly uh, worried about it yet, but I might be. Um, you know, looking at the standings, you got three th- three way tie for second right now: um, Western, Omaha, and St. Cloud. Um, which I guess means Duluth and CC Western, are, are Western are, does have one more uh, regulation win. Yeah, I mean it's kind of moot to break the tie because. I mean, St. Cloud and Omaha haven't even played each other yet. But if if you were just to get practice on tiebreaker scenarios, Western would be second place because they've got the more regulation wins than both Omaha and St. Cloud does. Um, and St. Cloud, I believe, would would hop Omaha because of a goal dif- differential. I, I was looking at that this weekend. Again, it's moot because they haven't played each other yet. Uh, It'll work itself out uh, at the end of the year. But um, I guess uh, three-way tie for second means that Duluth and CC are tied for third then, using Omaha math. Uh, and, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag Omaha And math. then that would make North Dakota in fourth and Miami there in fifth and last place. Um, so <laughs> uh, we can use that uh, criteria from now on. But... Uh, but looking at that, so you got the clump of teams at 33 there at, at second place right now. Western is in, I think, the only position to really threaten Denver right now because they still play Denver. Um, they, they play two-game series at Western Michigan. It's the only time that they're going to be playing this year in the regular season. And So is, is next week like the, the one time for everybody then? It might be, yeah, because North Dakota and CC play. That's yeah, and Miami and Duluth. It must. I don't know if they scheduled it like that. Yeah, maybe it's. I, I would almost they scheduled it for this weekend. God, that's so weird. It is kind of. It's almost too much of a coincidence to not be planned. Uh, right. But however, I don't know why that's like necessary like I w- to do. I would think nothing of this if this happened in December. Like, well, I, I wonder nothing of it, but the fact that it's the second to the last. Well, I wonder the, the one time, like when St. Cloud played Western in the first half, I wonder if they played on a weekend where everybody played their only other, you know, like, cause he played two series. He played two teams, one series each. 
I'm wondering if they do a one weekend in the first half and one weekend in the second half on for everybody. I, I kind of too lazy to check uh, on that, but yeah, I guess that is the case for next weekend. But so if Western sweeps that series, gotta come up with a name right. for that. I'm trying to catchy name of like the one time weekend or something like that. Right. But yeah, I mean, if Western sweeps that series from Denver, which is you know a tall task, but um, that would give them within. Yeah, and they play CC and Miami in their other two series. So uh, Western, I think, has the best chance. They they run the table. Denver would have to win the rest of their. They would have to sweep uh, Duluth and their CC series as well to stave off Western Michigan. So I would say Western has the only other chance to hop Denver. I'm kind of hoping. I'm wishing that would happen because there's a chance that you could get for the first round of the playoffs to have all conference rivals in the first half, meaning like your designated conference rival that you always play twice a year. Like Western's in first place, they would play Miami. Denver could play CC if CC gets to seventh. Uh, uh, St. Cloud could play Duluth, and Omaha could play in North Dakota. I mean, it's possible. Um, like how they're split up right now between the top four and the bottom four, it's certainly possible. Um, it would be kind of fun if, if that happened, but uh, I would still think it's it's unlikely that Western would hop Denver. But yeah, we can dream about those sort of uh, situations. So yeah, it's um, I do I do have to say that matchup, and that's at Kalamazoo too. That matchup is really intriguing to me. Yeah, you know, obviously I'm gonna watch St. Cloud and Omaha, uh, but I'm gonna. I'm going to keep my eye out or maybe have that as an appetizer since it'll be on an hour early. Um, but that uh, Denver Western Michigan uh, series, I think that'll be a fun one to watch next weekend. I mean, Western is red hot uh, since Christmas nine and one. Uh, and like I said, got CC this weekend at home. Uh, you you got to feel like their chances of, of sweeping that series are, are better than average. Um, and you know, scoring a lot of goals. It seems like they're they're goaltending. I mean, in the last six games here since that North Dakota that crazy seven to six win, giving up one goal, one goal, one goal, two goals, two goals, and one goal in those six games. So Roe Ro has really picked it up. Um, they're a scary team, and uh, yeah, that's why. Other than the fact that they do have that opportunity to gain on Denver directly by playing them. The other factor that that would give them a chance to, uh, yeah, in the Penrose situation, is that they are on the uh, they're playing well at the right time of the year. So uh, definitely, Western's a team that could be a, a real factor not only in the NCHC but in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, they're uh, they're playing very well right now. So um. You know, any other uh, games that you watch over over the weekend? Um, like I said, I was uh, kind of shuffling in. I watched quite a bit of the uh, the uh, North Dakota Denver series, um, and then you know, on I believe it was Saturday, I was kind of flipped that back and forth between that series and the um, uh, the Omaha series, and it just felt like it was review after yeah. review for both. <laughs> For both series, I was flipping back and forth, and no matter what game I was watching, they were in the middle of a review. <laughs> so, um, what what else did you watch? 
Yeah, I watched a fair amount of that Omaha CC. Watched more of that series than the Denver North Dakota series, um, which was interesting. Uh, Omaha on there were a lot of people online talking about that. I'm obviously from the Omaha side. Omaha felt that they got screwed. Isn't that like what they always what North they always Dakota say? Fans, obvious. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean. Hey, a quick, quick, weird thought. What are your thoughts on those gray Omaha jerseys? Actually, I was going to, I I had a thought about that because it seems like it's a trend now where teams are using gray as a dominant color, kind of like, you know, an away jersey in baseball. I, I don't like it. I, I don't think it's a good color for a hockey I jersey. I don't either. Because I, um, oh, Air Force, man. Air Force has a gray jersey now. Providence does. I believe Penn State. I don't think it's their their one of their main uh, jerseys, but yeah, they Penn they State. have a gray jersey. I think Providence does, Providence. but I actually like the way Providence's looks. I, I don't, and I, I, I but I think that's more because of the skate and fryer than anything else. I think that's a pretty fun logo. Well, too, because their colors are black and gray, whereas yeah, Omaha's like. Gray has really not been a main part of their color palette, but they seem to be be wearing these pretty frequently. And yeah, I, I I'm not a huge fan of them. Uh, well, and then you got the gray going up against the Colorado College white. I think both and nights. Well, no, because like, one of the nights they Omaha played one of those like Army appreciation games. They had like, and that's another one I hate. Like camo jerseys. I just I don't. Yeah, I don't like the look of them. That's bad. That that has to. I don't like the look of them. So, yeah, they're yeah. I mean, I, maybe we were p- picking on Omaha because we we I was talking about their stream, and now we're talking about their jerseys. Um, I mean, <laughs> their math, their math. <laughs> uh, so their zoo. Um, I I'll be able to. Their yeah, zoo. I'm, yeah, I'm that's gonna true. be in Omaha here coming up. I can't wait. Uh, I got to get my jacket out of storage. In order to get up there, when I go up there, so looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, unable to to beat CC in regulation on either night, winning in overtime and then losing in a shootout on Saturday. Uh, Colorado College scored on Saturday yeah. with what thirty seconds? Less left than that, game? I think fifteen, sixteen seconds left. 15. Yeah, and they had three plays. So Omaha scored twice that they waved off upon review. And then that last goal for CC was a challenge on a possible offsides, uh, a challenge that North, that uh, Omaha challenged it with a penalty on the line because they'd already used their timeout, but they lost that mm-hmm. challenge and had to take the delay a game. But uh, obviously that didn't uh, come back to bite them in the overtime, but... Um, and yeah, I I didn't think that any of the review. I I I am on the record to say that uh, I think all reviews we should get rid of all reviews. But um, their announcers even like the there was one they had a power play goal that CC challenged for an offside. And it was an offside like a minute before the goal actually went in. Mm-hmm. Which and, and CC never really got control, but they certainly touched the puck a few times. I remember this last year in the UND Penn State game in Nashville, they had one of these reviews uh, where it was an offsides play, but it was negated because 
the other team touched the puck. But then I remember that that was one of the well, that was one of the rules that the NCAA got rid of over the summer, which means you can now challenge it even if you your team gains possession after the offsides, the potential offsides. Which I'm not, I'm not a fan of having more ways to overturn calls. The the one Correct. thing that I well, I mean, I couldn't really the the announcers they had some, and it was not our favorite announcer. Uh, maybe that's why I watched m- most of the game there because it was a decent announcer. But they seemed to have a, a a feed that was very definitive, and they were both like, "Yeah, this is coming back." That was definitely offsides. Whereas I rewound the play, and because their camera work is so shoddy, you, the it was off screen. Like the the you couldn't tell. Like it, the the camera didn't catch the player uh, touching the puck on or keeping or trying to keep the zone on that the play that they eventually called off or called back. So, and then they also had one where it, they scored like right after the buzzer for the period, which at even in real time, I'm like, that's not, that's too late, but they called it a goal on the ice. But then, boy, again, the review, the announcers are like, yeah, that's definitely late. And then the, uh, the CC tying goal was like this long, kind of an arcing puck in the air. And it was Diff- I think it was like 20, 25 feet up in the air. And it was difficult. I, I don't know how you could really overturn that because it was hard to tell where the puck was versus where the player who was potentially offsides was. So I didn't think that that was, I mean, uh, maybe not the worst idea to try to challenge it because if you do win the challenge, then you probably win the game. But um, yeah. but I, I didn't think that they were they were going to win that challenge there. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really one to, to stick up for NCHC refs, but in this case, I, I thought they were, at least according to their own announcers, they were the correct calls. So, uh, tough break there, and and yeah, they have they have fits with CC. Did not beat them once this year, uh, at least uh, other than the overtime win that they had on Friday. So, 0-2, oh, 0-2, oh, 1, 1, and 1, oh, whatever. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hockey doesn't need to be this good. That's, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I did catch that one. I did catch a little bit of the Long Island-Alaska game. Uh, important game. Ooh. Important game for Alaska. And Yeah, Alaska just kind of shot themselves in the foot there. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, they lost the game, which isn't obviously good for them, but they're still at either 18 or 19, 18. This is updated after the bean pot went final. I always love it when a bean pot is decided in a shootout. Um, but so at 18 right oh, now, man, I bet they uh, love that uh, over at bashed. And, right. and I mentioned won the bean uh, Northeastern in the shootout, but it went, went down as a, sure. as a tie uh, for pairwise purposes. But I had mentioned after what a ride Northeastern yeah. has had, they were 44 and, what are they at now? They're at 15. I want, I want to get back to them, but I'll, I'll finish uh, Alaska first. Um, I had mentioned after their Denver series where they split at Magnus beginning of January. Uh, I think at that time I said they had 12 games left. And I said if they go 10-2, and two, um, that might be enough for them to get in. I, that was assuming they're splitting their four games against Arizona State, um, which they swept the first two of those games um, a couple of weeks ago. But now they, so in that first 
half of that 12-game run to end the season. This was just their first loss. I mean, five and one. So, they had, and Arizona State has been dropping the pairwise too. So, I, yeah, it's worse to lose to Long Island than it is to Arizona State. But two against Long Island at home, then at Arizona State, two against Lindenwood at home. Lindenwood right now, as I mentioned, worst team in pairwise. Uh, now that Stonehill is uh, booted out of the pairwise. So, I don't know. If you go five and one, might be enough. Six and oh, I think will be enough. Um, it's hard to it's hard to gauge because that depends on the teams ahead of them will need to lose as well, um, lose a few games at least. But I still think it's definitely possible for that. I don't I don't think this was uh, like a killer for them. It, it might be at the end of the year you might see that that loss is provided the difference between them um, making the tournament and, and not. But I do think that there is still time. Yeah, if they would have won that game, just did the 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 uh, customizer, they'd be at 14 right now. So right now it's costing them four spots in pairwise. But I still think there's some time if they run the table, um, or even if they lose one to Arizona State, let's say, because that would be a road loss would be the the loss that would hurt you the least. So I still think it's possible. It's if they make the tournament, it's going to be as probably the last team in it's going to be 14 15 13 and it will depend on if there's upsets in conference tournaments teams from outside the top 15 nabbing uh nabbing spots from at larges but if that doesn't happen it's certainly possible that alaska could sneak in um as a four seed so uh interesting to watch them and um yeah long island's been playing a lot of these like afternoon games so i'm able to watch them because they're not playing against any it's not, they're not they're playing these games when no other game is happening so it's kind of convenient but and that's like the morning for you <laughs> that's right yeah i think it was like 12 noon was was the uh saturday game for them so so yeah i watched a little bit of that i was flicking around uh some of the other scores watched the uh huskies women's team up in duluth um uh Shootout loss and then a two nothing loss on Saturday. Just one goal scored for the Huskies all weekend. Kind of saw this coming. I mean, you mentioned Soderberg for UMD. Their goalie has been red hot of late, and that was definitely the twentieth uh, shutout, I think, for her. And it's something like that. I mean, she's got like eight or nine, I think, on nine, I think, on the season. So nine shutouts. Nine, nine, nine times. Uh, I think so. Um, but uh, so now tied with uh, Mankato for fifth place coming into the last weekend of the regular season, which they play Mankato at home. The This series will decide who gets the fifth seed and who gets the sixth seed, uh, which if you finish in fifth, you're going to Duluth. If you finish in sixth, you're going to Wisconsin. Do you have like a, from my perspective, I think I a slight preference for Duluth because I think they're a little less strong offensively. They're both very good defensive teams and St. Cloud, I think is, is going to struggle to score a bunch of goals. If they're going to win games against those teams, it's going to be like the one nothing game they won in Madison a couple of weeks ago, or like a two to one, uh, again, sort of a, a lopsided shot advantage, uh, this weekend for Duluth. Although there was a, there was a, I thought 
the second period on Friday and then the first period on Saturday, I thought St. Cloud outplayed Duluth in those periods. Whereas I don't think, I don't think they even out, outplayed Wisconsin for a period in their games this year, even though they won that one game in, in the Kohl Center. Um, so I would have the slight advantage to go up to Duluth, even though you have beaten Wisconsin this year and you haven't beaten Duluth. But I still, it, it, it would be a tough series for them either way. Uh, but I just, I would like them to, and because you, you got swept at Mankato earlier this year, uh, your best chance of, you, you need to take the majority of the points this weekend because Mankato, if, if you would just split, Mankato would have the head-to-head advantage. So you'd need to at least four points this weekend against Mankato uh, in order to clinch that fifth seed. Do you have a you know, a preference between first-round opponent. What are you feeling about this weekend against Mankato? You know, I, was, I thought that was their one sort of disappointing weekend this year as far as the one time this year versus a team not in the powerhouse club, let's say, when, when they went down to Mankato and got swept. I thought that was sort of the one sort of blemish this year, a team that's kind of on your level that you failed to, take yeah. a, to, failed to, to beat. So, how are you feeling about this weekend, and do you have that preference about first-round opponent? Yeah, as far as this weekend, you know, as of right now, I really like how Adolski has this team playing. You know, as as much as, yeah, there's, what, one, two, and one over the last four games. Against traditional powerhouses, it's it's a one nothing win, a 3-2 to two loss, a 1-1 one to one tie, and a 2 nothing loss. So, I mean, we're in these games. And, you know, with Minnesota State, you know, they're coming off of a sweep against Bemidji. But obviously it's, you know, it's a team they should have swept. So it's, it's going to be a really interesting uh, match here this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, we're obviously Nyland and, and Clara, they're, they're, they're the big uh, kind of two-headed seniors on this team, um, along with uh, um, Emma Gentry. Um, obviously, I mean, that, those were our goal scorers come from, yeah. um, you, you know, all three of them, I think combined for maybe not half of our goals, but it feels like it, you know, you know, that's where, that's where offense is going to come from. And I, I like the position that they're in. They're in control of their own destiny. You got this weekend at home and it's, I, I think it's going to be, um, kind of a fun series and kind of shows how far Adelski has taken this program in just in just one year. And with um, some of the recruits already that we have uh, lined up, it's that I'm, I'm excited to see where this uh, program is going. So as far as who I would like to see, it's, you know, it's really comes down to who do you think you can steal a game from or are, you know, obviously two games from. And I do feel... I see where you're coming from with Minnesota Duluth because, because Wisconsin just, they have a lot of tools. They have a lot of firepower. They have always had a lot of firepower. And, you know, we were able to kind of stifle them, uh, which, which I don't think you could kind of bottle that twice, but I could, you know, I could see us winning a two to one game against uh, Minnesota Duluth, even though we haven't. So, I, I, I do see see your point there. Easier road trip as well, but you know that's uh, that's what I'm hoping 
uh we can see these these teams play and um but you know it's kind of a a, a big moment uh for for turning point i would say kind of for for husky uh for women's hockey so still i mean just seeing that um we're, we're in the position we are it's still um it, it's still a really good sign for the future of this program yeah that's right uh yeah, I agree with that. That you're off the offensive analysis there. Um, Neeland is, I think, the one the player that I I like the most out of the forwards. Um, she was really impressive this weekend. I thought whenever seems like whenever they were able to generate a quality chance, she was involved in some way. Uh, and again, you know, talking about the men's side um, running with a rotation goalie rotation for the majority of the season. Obviously, that's been the case for the women's side as well. And uh, both Jojo Choback and uh, Donnie Ahola uh, this weekend. Um, two good performances from them this weekend. It's been the case pretty much all year for them. Um, Ahola was the WCHA goalie of the year last year, um, but Choback, who was a, a Duluth uh, transfer, um, has been uh, equally or you know much of the time even better this year as well. So fortunate to not just have one but two solid goaltenders in net um you see how that's a benefit for the men's side and obviously uh, the same is true for the women's side as well so yeah even though the results weren't quite there this weekend i i did enjoy uh watching them this weekend and hopefully they can at least wrap up i just you don't you just want to win going into the playoffs that's the other thing like you you yeah. so Sweep the series, you know, you're on up upward swing. You don't want to sort of back into a situation and say, okay, we lost to Mankato, and now we got, you know, bus ride to, to Madison here. Like, I, I, I like the momentum pushing forward. So, win, you know, get a couple of wins this weekend and then uh, steal a couple of them up in Duluth. I think that's your best, best hope. Um... Uh, flipping over to sinkers and floaters. Uh, we'll go ahead and just quickly who's up, who's down. Um, you know, St. Cloud State staying at seven. Um, in, in the pairwise, Michigan Tech dropped a little bit, um, down two spots to 12. They've been hovering around this 12. Last week they bumped up to 10, now back down to 12. Um, but uh, the free fall for UConn kind of continues. Um, UConn dropping four spots um, down to 19 in the pairwise. Um, and then I realized I haven't updated this since the bean pot went vinyl. So um, who knows how much, uh, I'm not sure how much changed there, but uh, UConn is, they're not in the right direction after, uh, after sitting pretty here just uh, you know a couple months ago. And and based on a a bad weekend up in New Hampshire, uh, law uh, two losses, one in overtime um, to uh, a bad uh, New Hampshire team. But as I've been mentioning, them Maine shout out to Maine. They're like on a twelve and five streak since uh, uh, Thanksgiving. UNH also has been playing very well in this uh, in the twenty twenty three part of the schedule. Uh, you know Vermont, we saw them. Um, take a series at BC uh, and, and be pesky as well. So it's, that's so important or so much of a factor is how hockey East has really tumbled out of the pairwise is that those bottom three teams that I just mentioned are 
becoming real thorns in the side to these bubble teams. And I saw it again this weekend with uh, with UConn struggling uh, against New Hampshire. And uh, so, yeah, not 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 good for them. Beanpot update, I guess. Boston University with their loss in the consolation game earlier dropped to six. Michigan up to three. Uh, Denver up to four. Penn State to five. BU was at three but dropped down to six. Harvard's at 11. Not sure if that was a change for them based on their tie against Northeastern in the uh, Beanpot Championship. And I mentioned Northeastern at 15. Uh, They are, so, you know, we've talked a lot about them rising from mid-40s to now at 15. Uh, But I was digging into the pairwise here because there's some weird ones with them. They uh they have the RPI advantage on like Michigan State who they're right below in they're 15 Michigan State's 14 in pairwise but they actually have a higher RPI. What's one thing to keep an eye on for Northeastern? So when they had that real dry spell in December uh, and then that first weekend of January, uh they they had some pretty bad games and. There's two in particular that are killers for them right now. They lost to Union in December, and then they lost to Bentley. Bentley's at 55th in Pairwise, a terrible team. Not only do those losses hurt you, but you've lost the Pairwise comparison to those teams because of that. Which I was, again, surprised at. Because they're so low, Union's at 36 in Pairwise, Bentley at 55, like I said. Uh, what's interesting is that so the head-to-head, obviously, they're losing that one nothing comparison because they lost single games to these two teams. Northeastern obviously has the RPI advantage of both these teams. So it actually comes down to common opponents. And what's weird is if you total up uh, the common opponents, so between Union and Northeastern, there's four common opponents that they have. New Hampshire, Harvard, Bentley, and UConn. And if you total them up, Northeastern, right now between Union, they're 4-3-1 three, and one in those games. Union is 3-3. Three, and three. Uh, But yet Union wins the common opponent's edge on Northeastern. And it's the same way with Bentley. If you add up the cumulative win-loss against common opponents with Bentley, uh, Northeastern is higher than Bentley. I actually wow. had to send an email to CHN. I didn't think they would actually get back to me, but credit to Wodan, he got back to me within like an hour. And it was on their website. I, it was in their, their pairwise primer. Uh, I just, I had always assumed that it was, that's how they did common opponents, is they just added up wins and losses against the slate of teams that you had in common. But as he described here, what you do is, of course, we're talking about like, you got to make things as complicated as possible <laughs> in college hockey. Stay with me now. Instead of just oh, doing God. the easy way of adding up wins and losses, they take the winning percentage. They, add, they calculate a winning percentage between each of those teams, each of the common opponents, and then they average the winning percentages. Uh, and because of that, Bentley's and Union's uh, average winning percentage in common opponents games is slightly higher than Northeastern. And the way he even described it to, I, I'm not ascribing any malice to him or that he had a hand in, in setting this criterion this way. 
But he's like, if a team is four and zero against a common opponent, the other team is one and zero. It's just they, it's they're just, both. It's a wash. It's just a wash. Oh, good lord! And I think that his his or at least I'm maybe reading too much into it, but I think the argument that whoever set this up was is that yeah, you don't want one team to be able to beat up on on one common opponent and then have that basically rule the entire common opponent's comparison. But it's a lot harder to be four and zero against a team than it is against to be one and zero against a team. Uh, it's almost. I think that they think that the four and zero is a disadvantage. Like that's an unfair advantage to play a team four times versus one team playing that same team one time. But it's actually how they're doing it. It's an advantage to the team to play one. The team that plays fewer games. It's an advantage to them because, and th- so. There's a way that they can flip these comparisons, but it's a long shot. Northeasters are going to have to play Maine in the playoffs or BU to fl- and win those games to flip the Bentley comparison. And then they're going to have... If they would have beaten Harvard tonight, uh, there was a chance that... Because Union plays Harvard this coming weekend. There was a chance that Northeastern could have flipped that with a win tonight, but with a tie... They need to play UConn sometime in the playoffs for them to have a chance to flip that comparison around. And I'll, I'm only bringing this up is because because of that they're all, they're losing two comparisons because of this. Yeah. So instead of having 45 comparisons, they would have 47. And I would argue if they would just if they would just compute common opponents' record the easy the simplest way. They would have 47 comparisons, which would jump them. They would jump one spot in the pairwise. I th- I'm going to call it right now. I think Northeastern is going to be out of the tournament based on not having two comparisons. I think they're going to. You're going to add it up at the end of the year. If they would have two more comparisons, they would. They would have gotten into the field. I, I think it's going to screw them wow. in the long run. So keep an eye on that. Like uh, they had a chance if they would have beaten Harvard tonight to take care of one of those. But the one, and I guess the, the moral of the story is just beat Bentley. I mean, they're god-awful. Uh, same with Union. But for them to lose those comparisons based on that sort of Byzantine math, uh, talk about Omaha math, I mean, that's, we're getting real creative. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't like that. And I don't even care about Northeastern. Uh, it's, it's not, I, I, I hope he didn't think that I was some jaded Northeastern fan. Couldn't get a, couldn't get a rat's ass about it, but I I just don't like the uh, just keep it simple with the common opponents. Uh, I, I would say, and so there is your pairwise uh, uh, ex explainer of the day is that common opponents are not as simple as you think. Yeah, that's uh, that is a surprise. Yeah, flipping that Bentley comparison. Um, or flipping that uh, Northeastern, if they beat Bentley, that flips both comparisons. Yeah, that's right, because uh, that, that, that's Union, a common opponent with Union. Union. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that would have put them at 13th in the pairwise. And it would, I mean, it would help their RPI because losing to Bentley said such a bad team like that, that hurts your RPI a bunch too, so... Oh. Just a triple whammy losing that that game to Bentley. <laughs> I don't know if there's any other sport. I mean, I guess you can argue with football, college football as well. 
But you never know what's going to end up biting you. <laughs> That's right. Just the, in the most random ways down the line. It's Because what, what, what was it? It was a few years ago. I say a few years ago, but it was probably like 20 years ago now that they got rid of what was the... I don't know what they called it. I couldn't remember. It was like the hot hand where it was like basically they put extra weight into games in the last half of the season. So if you're playing well, like the the pairwise favored you if you're playing well yeah. towards the end of the season versus towards the beginning, they kind of give you a little more leeway if you lose to bad teams. Yeah, it was like the last 16 games, I think is what it was, was the cutoff, which... I'm not, I mean, because I think that would mute the effect of non-conference a little bit because of the yeah. majority of teams' non-conference is at the beginning of the year. And I think right now non-conference plays an oversized advantage in the pairwise. I, I, I think, again, that's one of those things they, they wanted to put that I in think, there to reward teams that are playing well down I think has too much power right now. That too, I, yeah. Maybe that's yeah. You don't. You shouldn't name your name your university after a luxury car. Uh, yep, maybe there. then I'll have a little bit more sympathy for you. But yeah, I think like they would have put that in there because they wanted to reward teams playing well down the stretch. But I think mm-hmm. the more the better the better argument for that would have been that it it makes non conference less important, which yeah. I would be in favor of as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, there's there's. There's tweaks to the pairwise and that I would definitely be in. And I've talked about the, you know, how they're counting overtime results, not just in RPI, but in these common opponents and the head to head, that's having a big effect as well. So lots of things they could clean up, uh, I, I think, but, uh, well, but yeah, time, time for another podcast, I guess. That's right. <laughs> we'll, and, we'll uh, Wanted to also mention uh, Notre Dame. Decent weekend for them in that they beat Ohio State and then tied to them, but that puts them at exactly 500. Um, and four so, spots in the pairwise, too. And they're off this weekend, but then they play at Michigan the last weekend of the season. And Michigan just mentioned at three after the Beanpot results tonight. So... I'm thinking like, I mean, you could eat, just go into the playoffs for Notre Dame, having them be no more than one game over 500, uh, mm-hmm. because then they get swept in the first round, because they're all, they're likely going to play either Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State in the first round of the playoffs. Also, a very good opponent. So. It's it would be tough for them to even win a game in Michigan uh, in the last weekend of the regular season, um, but we we can't have them just get swept by Michigan because then the possibility of them being in the top fifteen with an under five hundred record is less likely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking like maybe like a like a tie, like a loss and a tie, or maybe just a split. And then you can even maybe lose two out of three in the playoffs. Winning a game against one of these top ten teams in the playoffs might also help you as well. So I'm 
I would have rather them because they they went to that they tied that second game against Ohio State, and I would have liked them to just lose that second game in overtime because they still would have gotten some RPI bump from an overtime loss. Uh, but also the loss would have gone down in their record as a loss. Uh, and so they would be under 500 if they were to have lost in a three on three, but yeah, so it's, it's just, it's weird to root for something. Cause you can't just say, I want them to win. Like we want them to win, but then also lose too. So it's a weird <laughs> position to be in, but this is a, this is a, a decent Wisconsin rural opportunity. So I am rooting for it still. Yep, we're we're on the edge of our seat right now for a potential Notre Dame Wisconsin rules. That's right. So, uh, questions. Um, oh, unless anything else uh, you wanted to go nope. over? Nope. Let's go to questions. You haven't even. All right. You didn't even uh, tease any of these before the show, so th- we're going in completely. Cold. Yeah, you're going in blind. So I totally forgot about that. I was having some mic issues, which. You know, kind of worried about still having, but uh, I guess we'll find out, right? Um, uh, Brian moves. Uh, feels like it's been forever since the route of North Dakota in St. Cloud. I agree. It does feel like that was a long time ago. Uh, can we use North Dakota's two series against Western Michigan and their latest weekend versus Denver as a potential measuring stick for how they will look against the Huskies? Um. I guess it kind of depends, in my opinion, what you mean by a measuring stick. Like, is it like how they would compare to St. Cloud and playing against St. Cloud? Um, or how they are going to play throughout the series, um, like as a team. Um, and so I think those are slightly different answers. Um, you know, when, when I feel like, can you use them just as a measuring stick? I don't, I don't think we're playing nearly as well as like Western Michigan. Um, and, you know, remember, you know, if I remember correctly, that Western Michigan series against North Dakota, where we thought there would be all of the goals scored and that ended up actually being the exact opposite. Um, so it's, I, I'm a little bit more worried about using, um, kind of a measuring stick of Miami as a comparable <laughs> to how we were not able to beat Miami and they were able to handle them with ease. But I think that's just a little bit of my pessimism showing. So. Um, yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, that measuring stick is, you know, last Western Denver, good teams and they're not, they're not able to beat good teams. Just looking over their schedule, just one win. And that was an overtime win at Minnesota in October. Just one win for North Dakota this year against a current top fifteen airwise team. Oh, oh. So it's so no regulation wins against the top fifteen team. Lots of beating up on you, know, Holy Cross, uh, Lindenwood, Miami. Well, they uh, won those games. Oh no, Western, no, right? I'm sorry. So they won the. They had a shootout win, so a tie, but then also a three nothing win at Western. So okay. I guess two. Two uh, wins against uh, current top 15 teams, but still, that's not many. Uh, and most of their wins have been uh, versus lower opponents, uh, you know, not, not very good opponents. Uh, so, yeah, the, the battle-tested against good teams metric, they, they've failed that so far this year. 
and it's up to St. Cloud to keep that trend alive, I mm-hmm. suppose. Yep. Uh, Red Army Omaha says, hashtag fix the nacho. So I uh, think a little, still a little bit upset um, after the uh, Colorado College series. Which, would, he, would you what, consider what, that what a split? He... Like, would you consider no. that a split? I mean, it's three points no. each, so technically, in that sense, it's a split, right? No, there's not every weekend needs to be a, a sweep, getting swept, or a split. Like, there's there's an nuance. overtime win. Yeah, there's there's some wiggle room in there. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't call that a split. Like, so if if Omaha would have won the shootout on Saturday, would you call that a sweep? I'm sure. Uh, no, sure because you Omaha, didn't get I'm six sure points. Omaha, I'm sure a lot of Omaha fans would consider it a sweep. No, I know that our favorite points. announcer would. <laughs> well, there's, be, but, because it's still a split of the points of the total points in the weekend. I remember remarking you about this last year, uh, early in the year last year, when us show like a lot of write-ups now will say if there's a win and an overtime win, that's a sweep for a team. And I remember at that time, I'm like, no, that's not a sweep. Overtime win is different than a regulation win. I think a sweep should be reserved for two regulation wins. But so you don't think that if it's a regular win and an overtime win, even though that counts in the pairwise as two wins? Well, I thought it, yes, I thought that you, that's what you also just said—the six-point thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I think a sweep should be two regulation wins. Gotcha. Okay. I just want a clarification. Um, Aaron, how many people will UND fans push down the stairs over and under one and a half? <laughs> Reference to a UND fan pushing an Omaha fan down the stairs in Omaha. So probably zero. Because it's in North Dakota. Uh, if it was at, uh, if it was at home, you know, maybe there'd be more. So. Well, let's hope. I, I guess I missed that. When, when was that? I was towards the end of last season. Okay, maybe I, was, I, I don't remember that. I mean it 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 fits. Like I, I'm not doubting it. But. <laughs> yeah, it was uh you know what twenty something or an early thirty something North Dakota fan pushed like a sixty year old <laughs> Omaha fan down in the second uh, always level. classy. That's the one yeah. thing we can always talk uh, say about North Dakota fans. They always keep the class. <laughs> um, uh, Dan Jacobson, friend of the show, um, asks, "Are you picking up Metroid Prime on the Switch?" And yeah, um, when they announced it, I uh went ahead and bought it, so I already have it on my Switch, and I've already played a little bit of it. So, uh, yes, by all means, I'm I'm very excited that they finally announced Metroid Prime, which is one of my favorite games of all time and to see it just mm, so beautiful so huge fan any thoughts on metroid prime english weldy <laughs> do you speak it uh steve orvis how can anybody have north dakota ranked uh, uh and a screenshot of the Everything College Hockey Twitter account where they ranked uh, one through twenty, and they have North Dakota at twenty. 
again, I'm asking you to speak English. The the what, Paul? <laughs> um, I I suppose not being on Twitter is uh, helpful. I guess in your case right now, uh, there's a Twitter account uh, called Everything College Hockey. So they tweet a lot about college hockey and whatnot. And I think actually like Jimmy Murray is part of it, and Gage Asmus. Asmus. Osmus is part of it as well. No, it's so. as it's Asmus. <laughs> it's not this knowledge. weekend especially. <laughs> this weekend especially. So, I mean, that's and, and they are why they're putting the together their own poll. Okay, should yeah, we do their own ranking? Should we do our I mean, own poll? Yeah. It's so they said pairwise. that they were they were twenty. We go one so. and twenty down the pairwise. That's my poll. So they were doing a top 20. That's my, I mean, I've just mentioned this before. That's my main objection with the Astro poll is why do you have a top 20 when only the top 16 make the tournament? Top 20 is, that's a third of the teams in college hockey. So if we're doing this, so compare that to college basketball. If they were going to do an equivalent poll, that would be the top 120 in college basketball. Roughly, I think there's like 360 teams ish in in NCAA basketball. Like, do would you really? Because this this uh, Long Island game that I saw, their announcer made a big deal about second win of the year or second win of program history for a uh, over a top 20 a ranked team because uh, Alaska <laughs> was ranked 20th in the Ustro poll, and it's just like again, so 20th best that gets you into our hypothetical NIT like not exactly a necessarily a good team so any poll that's the only reason that i give the usa today poll any more of a uh, well well, credibility than the usher polls they only do a top 15 if you're going to do a poll that's just my rule if you're going to do a poll in college hockey stop it at 15 if you're going to do it well, I do have to. I have to make maybe one clarification. It isn't a poll. It is a ranking. I okay. figure a poll is a collective of people voting. I don't know what this ranking is, or if it's just yeah, it might be just. So it's just, just Jimmy, Jimmy Murray, Murray behind a computer, right. just going That's going right. ham on it. That's right. I don't think he would put North Dakota anywhere near the list, but you know, maybe he's turned. We've had we've had people in St. Cloud State programs well, turned to rivals. Now you're again. I I shouldn't be even indulging this this worthless Twitter poll, but I, now that you've got me thinking. Now, if if they've got North Dakota at twenty, is this like a just a chaos poll? Like we're we're putting uh, BU at one, and and we got Minnesota at eight, and St. Cloud's unranked. I mean, we're they probably won't be unranked if if it's Jimmy Murray doing the poll, but. <laughs> like it, it, what what give me like the top five like are are they is it sensible or is it just all oh, we're just hot takes and it's, trolling here it, it's sensible for the most part i mean the top five are minnesota quinnipiac denver michigan and bu oh okay so they are kind of cribbing the pairwise for that Maybe that's the maybe that's the philosophy. Like we'll we'll give you the sense. We'll just kind of copy the pairwise, but then those last five spots, which are just meaningless, we're gonna just do hot takes and and Quaker wrote squares there at the end. 
Uh, uh, the last five in this ranking is Michigan State, Notre Dame, UConn, Providence, and North Dakota. It's not chaos enough. Um, I, I would <laughs> put not... I would put Lindenwood somewhere in there. Um, put Brown. Put Where'd Brown, my Brown voter put Brown go? In there. Yeah. All right, uh, you're you're seeing it. I, I just put a cereal brand in there. That's that's what I'm asking. Where's Kellogg? Right. So. Um, uh, Whiteface Rez, uh, B-dubs both nights. So he's, he, uh, he wants me to, the odds of us scoring six both nights against North Dakota. It's possible. They just, <laughs> I mean, they this, did it. They did it their last series. Yeah. It's, do they still do that? Uh, that promotion um, promotion at the, so. at the herb? I don't know. I have to double check. I think now I think Raising Cane's kind of moved in and we we switched over from wings to tenders. So. Okay. Um, Chris Becker. Uh, good question here. Uh, is a sweep for UND panic button time? Um, sweep sweep for UN, UND. So, yep, yep. If okay. if if North Dakota sweeps the Huskies, are you hitting the panic button? Probably not. Although my hand will be poised over the panic button, like it'll be close. It'll be hovering. Yeah, like again, like I'm. I like I said last week, like I wouldn't mind Saint Cloud dropping a little in pairwise. We just don't want to get too slippery with that um uh, mm-hmm. so that's probably why like even if they get swept this weekend um i if they get swept this weekend and they get swept in omaha i will be here sounding the alarms but uh this weekend yeah i not quite but I, I don't like that we're even considering it, like the question. Like it's getting close to that. But I think again, just give me a split. Just give me one win this weekend. And I think I'll feel a lot better about this team. And like like maybe maybe not. Like if they lose one of the if they lose if they win one two to one and lose seven to one, then who knows? But uh Yeah, I'll try to stay level headed and I'll say not quite panicking yet, but again, preparing for a panic. Sure. Um, I, I, I do think there's, it, it'll be, it'll be tough for me not to start like panicking, especially, you know, a lot of it is going to depend on how we lose. Like if we keep losing the same way and it's, you know, we take, seven penalties and North Dakota goes five for seven on the power play. Um, and it's, you know, things like that where we just keep actually beating ourselves. It's, you know, I, w- I would start kind of panicking. Like, what is this staff? What are these players doing where we keep hurting ourselves more than the other team is hurting us? Um, and that we're still not learning from our, from those mistakes that's when I'll kind of really start panicking. Um, I, I just want to see improvement in those areas. So if I see those improvements in those areas and we split, yeah, I'm going to feel a lot better. 
Um, now, if we see improvement in that area and we get swept, I'm I'm going to be not as close to panicking as if we kind of lose the same way and get swept, if that makes sense. Just because it's like, okay, we find some improvement. It wasn't our weekend. I think we're still going to be in a good position. Um, and again, just we, we control our own fate still at that time, but you know, we're, you know, one, once we get everything back clicking, we're going to be okay. I do think a lot's going to depend on that, uh, you know, Crookshanks line. Um, I think that, uh, is, is, I feel like they're, they're going to have a big weekend. I think Okabe's going to have a big weekend. And then, you know, I just think, uh, some so- solid defensive play is going to, is, is going to go a long way as well. Because this is this is a team that can't stop a puck, um, so that's what um, yeah that that that's kind of where we're I'm seeing where this is at. So I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button if we get swept. If we have movement towards everything kind of stacking up the right way, if we keep losing the same way, it's I, I'm I'm gonna start really going chicken little. Well, let's hope we don't uh, we don't hit that stage. Right. But. God, if they go five for seven on the power play, I'm just going to go fetal and cry. Um, Eric Zamora, uh, how long until UND is back to the powerhouse we expected? Um, I mean, I would imagine that this is a once in a decade type down here for North Dakota. And this is like this down year, you know, even if we look at the pairwise here, their down year is still in the early 20s, you know. So it's not like they're going through this huge rebuild or anything like that. But I think it's just crazy to me that North Dakota, because it's, again, it's the same problem they've had all season, is their defense and they can't stop a puck. Um, so I think that's, you know, through recruiting or transfer portal or something, you should be able to get a good fix. But they thought going through the transfer portal, they'd get DeRitter, who would be solving that problem. That hasn't happened. So I don't expect it to be too long before North Dakota's back on top, though, sadly. Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of seen a, not again, not rebuild, because they're over 500 in both 17, 18, and 18, 19. Both of those years, they did not make the NCAAs, which snapped a long NCAA qualifying streak. They have not had a losing season since 01-02, back in the Blaze days. But uh, they were, you know, at that point, the the, the two-year drought, you know, I was even thinking Barry's seat was hot. I'm sure North Dakota fans... We're thinking the same way. You know, he wins the national title his first year, but you know, inheriting a lot of Hackstall's guys. I mean, he had been on the staff, so it's not like he was fresh to the program, but not putting a ton of stock into the national title winning year for him being the first year. And then as he sort of starts to develop his, uh, his you know, style of recruiting, it, you know, hit a lull there. But to his credit... They come back, you know, the, the COVID shortened year. I believe they were either number one overall or in the top two or three of that yeah. year. They were they were number one overall in the following year, the number one overall seed in that tournament that year. Uh, and were able to make the tournament last year, even kind of after a first half struggle 
uh, uh, last year as well. So he was able to sort of right the ship after a couple years of middling, you know, one of those years they didn't even make the NCHC tournament. The only time they have, they have failed to make that, um, make the, uh, XL. Uh, so yeah, I mean, North Dakota has a lot of advantages, uh, for a program. I mean, that, that building does a lot of the recruiting for it. Um, and, and so I don't expect having, it was before my time I mean, I was alive, but I remember looking through the history, you know, years ago to like, after they won in 87, like those early nineties teams, they were a pretty bad team, you know, 92, 93, or 12 and 25, and 11 and 23. I can never imagine a North Dakota team having those kind of records. Yeah. Um, so I don't even think the bottom has like completely fallen out here. Like the bottom falls out and they go in 2018, 2019, 18, 17 and two. That's a disastrous season in Grand Forks. So they got a long way to hit you know, the depths of where Miami's been for the last decade and CC. And I do think that they're just, they're going to, they're going to be, I mean, let's not forget. Yeah. That the recruiting class they brought in this year, I mean, Blake and James have been good. Um, quite good actually, but those guys are still freshmen. I mean, if they get another year out of those guys, um, they could certainly be back next year. And as you said, there's still time this year to, to turn it around. So uh, I don't, I, I think it's wrong to think that they're dead and buried here for this year. And especially long-term, it's just a program that is able to, to avoid long droughts because of, you know, their history and their building provide a recruiting advantage that other programs only dream of. So I don't think it's going to be, I would not be surprised if this is just a blip, but you know, at the same time, and, and as you said too, the, the transfer portal, I just think that they've swung and missed the last two years. You can count Driscoll as well. I mean, they made the tournament with him, but he didn't play all that hot for him last year either. And I think that they'll regress to the mean when it comes to um, getting base hits on transfer portal guys. You know what I mean? Like they've kind of gotten the the worst possible outcome from the transfer portal. And same as where I think that you shouldn't expect St. Cloud to hit the home runs that they did in the transfer portal this year uh, with Bassey, Crookshank, and Anhorn. Don't expect that to be the case every single year. There's going to be some regression to the mean there and also from North Dakota like if if they need to pick up a goalie for instance again this offseason um their success rate almost has to be better than what it has the last two times in there so yeah I think that they've had some bad luck in there but uh, not really weeping too much for them but yeah I don't think this will be I don't think this is even a catastrophe of a year this year already uh and um I, I don't expect this to, to sink them into some, you know, long decades of, of irrelevance. I, a, a guy can dream, but I just don't see it. So we will. Um, so that, uh, that about does her, uh, for does this it. episode of the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Uh, you can find me, uh, well, the at more clappers, M O A R more clappers. 
You can find Andrew. He will be uh, emailing Woden uh, about being a, a jaded Northeastern fan. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you, what email do you use for that? That is Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. God, yeah, no wonder, no wonder that. Uh, well, I didn't use that email. I, if I would have, then he, I'm sure, would think that I'm a Northeastern <laughs> fan. But that's a good. I should, so, I should have used that account. So. Yeah, uh, drop us a message. Uh, Thank you for listening. And until uh, next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!